the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I am co-founder of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is the leading provider in the United States of lines of credit to small nonprofits. Our line of credit program is easy, inexpensive, and costs nothing until used, making it a great cash backup plan for your nonprofit. If you'd like to learn more about the program, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com or call us at 862-207-4118. And if you decide to apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file. Just remember, the time to set up a line of credit is before you need it. So that way, when you need it, it's there ready to go. And considering it doesn't cost anything until you use it, it makes complete sense to get it in place. It's the reason why it's so popular. Um, Today, I am very excited to be speaking with Julia Campbell from J. Campbell Social Marketing. Julia Campbell has run her digital marketing consulting business for almost a decade, focused exclusively on mission-driven organizations. A mom of two and a return... uh, a returned Peace Corps volunteer. She is the author of Storytelling in the Digital Aid, A Guide for Nonprofits, a call to action for nonprofits to use stories to accomplish their missions. Julia, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. Thanks for having me, Stephen. You know, I'm lucky in that when a guest uh, suggests a, a really good title, I get to learn a lot just like my listeners yes. do. Oh, me so, too. I, I hear that. I understand that. Yeah, I know you run your own podcast as well. So, uh, you know, I'm always sometimes taking notes, the stuff that I can use, or and I'm also on a board of nonprofits. So I use what I've learned here uh, that with that board. I use it mm-hmm. in my own business and those type of things. So today's topic, digital marketing and social media for your nonprofit. You know, it most executive directors let's just say they're not in their early twenties. Right. Right. So when they start, when we start talking about social media and digital marketing, you know, the executive directors are often busy running around with their heads cut off because they're doing so much work, Mm -hmm. right. Especially for smaller nonprofits. And they they haven't always had the time to dive into how social media and digital marketing can help their organization. Mm -hmm. Right. They, Maybe maybe they delegate it to somebody else. Maybe they bring on a consultant, someone like yourself. Um, but it's such a valuable topic, don't you think? Well, I think that what's interesting about social media in particular is that it really represents a complete revolution in human communication. So it's almost on par with the industrial revolution. I mean, it it's changing for better, for worse. Love it, hate it. You know, there's definitely we could debate ethical and moral concerns all day around the platforms, but we can't deny that it has completely changed the way we connect with people, the way that we find information, the way that we express ourselves and our identity, the way that we find news. So the platforms that maybe older people, the generations that are different might be using are different, but we can't say that, you know, baby boomers and people that are older are not actively using either social media or email 
or websites. You know, a lot of people pay their bills online. A lot of people shop online. Amazon, look at that. I don't know a single person that doesn't even, that maybe doesn't use it, but they know about it or online grocery ordering. And I think especially during the pandemic, people became a lot more comfortable doing a lot of financial transactions online. So as nonprofits look to stay relevant and they look to continue to connect with a younger, more diverse audience and continue to acquire donors, they definitely need to meet donors where they are and and where they are is online on their phones. Yeah, and I think you know there there's a scale. I don't. I should look it up. The, yes. the correct wording, but there's there's bleeding edge, there's cutting edge, and then there's the middle, which is I guess not invoke just standardized like early adapters. Or, you know, early adopters. Early. Well, the early adopters ahead. But what's the one that's like right in the middle? I guess it's like a standard. I can't think mm-hmm. of the word right now. Mm-hmm. But you know, social media is no longer cutting edge and bleeding edge. No. It's not. No. It's there, you know. And it's, it's every day. It's baked into our everyday life. Yeah, and so you know, I am seeing many people. I mean, this I'm 57, right? And I I never really use social media. Although I'm on the cutting edge of lots of things, I never use social media that much, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I've had to adapt using it because, well, because of my company and for a variety of. I still don't use it for information mm-hmm. purposes or whatever. I just, you know, it hasn't worked for me, but, uh, but I can, I have to do it for my company. So for me, I've had to kind of, and I'm not really that, that great at it. I'm okay at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but like you said, it's, it's now a vehicle that a lot of people are using as their communication tool. And the, I think the real issue is that a lot of, especially executive directors and board members that I've worked with, they, they're they not seeing it for what it is, which is really marketing. It's much more of a marketing tool. Yeah. Certainly, you can build a funnel. You can use Facebook fundraising tools. You can use Instagram fundraising tools. You can raise money. But a lot of the movements that are being built on social media are marketing based, you know, around hashtags, around a cause, around an issue, and around raising awareness and getting people to understand and empathize um, with, you know, around various issues. So the there's not that real red line between, you know, oh, I sent out a tweet and then I got a fifty dollar donation. Certainly that happens, but it's really like exercise, you know, as much as I wish I could just eat a salad once a week and like go for a walk for five minutes and lose 20 pounds. That's not the way it works. It really is. You see results over time. If you're consistent and you're methodical and strategic about it, if you are, you know, if you have a plan, if you really understand your audience and what they want to see from you. And if you go about it in this different viewpoint, we have to sort of flip the script on what can it do for us? It's more, what can we add? Can we add value here? Can we actually add to the conversation? Can we contribute to the education of our audience, of our potential donors, rather than saying, oh, we're going to set up a Facebook page and it's going to be an ATM? Because that's really not how it works. You've got to spend a lot of time building community first. Yeah, it's almost like a good a good analogy is when I started the podcast, right? Yes. And maybe you felt the same way. How long yes. have you been doing your podcast now? Um, not even a year. A so year. I started in August um, 2021. Yeah, I, so I started it, I'm going on my fourth year. So I started it three years ago. 
And I started it because I said, you know, if I don't get started, I'm not going to learn mm-hmm. about that. This is a marketing done tool. is better than perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Always right. Say that. Right. And so over time, because I've, uh, you know, uh, uh be- because it was inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Okay. To do it. And because I like doing it, mm-hmm. um, I've able to make tweaks and little improvements. So I didn't have to go from zero to 180 in, in, you know, in, in, days or weeks. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've been able to make little progress and, and learn and, and make little tweaks and do different things and make it easier and so stuff like that. And I think social media is that way as well. So digital marketing and social media is that way as well. Absolutely. That's a great analogy. I think people believe all sort of the ducks have to be in a row or everything has to be perfect and all the graphics have to be great and videos and they have to have all of this perfect content before they can just dip their toe in the pool. And really a lot of it is just listening and kind of lurking around. I'm thinking of TikTok as a great example. So I, I've had a TikTok account for God, probably two years now. Mm. I probably posted three videos. I mostly lurk and watch and listen. And I'm trying to get up the courage to post more on TikTok. Yeah. I have a 12 year old daughter. She, I know she can help me. But <laughs> for me, that platform is much more about interacting with the community and learning and seeing what's going on and what are the trends and this and that. So you don't have to use the platforms daily. Like maybe you just want to be on Twitter and follow the news. Maybe you want to be on Instagram and just you know, follow other organizations that are doing the work that that relates to yours. So I think getting in there, and I think of Instagram Stories when Instagram Stories first came out. Um, I probably spent a week just researching, just do, watching them, taking notes, looking at what other people were doing, looking at the stickers, really trying to analyze how it works, and seeing like, do I want to do this? Do I not want to do this? And that's a huge piece of social media management is that research and listening and constantly be, you know, understanding what works on the platforms and what doesn't, but you don't have to be on every platform. I would say pick one or two, especially if you're smaller, but you have to know, I mean, each platform is so different. It's so hard to say, we're going to post this on Facebook and then sort of cut and paste it across because that's not going to work on TikTok or LinkedIn or Pinterest. Yeah, I, uh, it's a good, uh, a good idea about narrowing your focus, you know, like, I'm not, well, also the, to build your argument, the number one search engine, who's the number one search engine in the United States? Isn't it Google? It's and now YouTube's TikTok. number two, right? It's now TikTok. Oh, really? TikTok's- <gasps> I should know that. <laughs> well, I just found out TikTok's number one. Whoa, no, I'm writing yeah, that down. Number See, two learning. is Google. And number three is YouTube. Yep. Right. It used to be Google and YouTube. Yep. Yep. And Whoa. most people, most I used to ask ask a trick question a year ago, which would be, what's the number, what's the number two biggest search engine? Everyone would say Bing, and and uh, it's YouTube. And most people don't think of YouTube as a search engine. So yes. you know, and most people may not think of TikTok as a search engine, but it is. So and I would say the same for Instagram. And that brings up a good point is that the way we use these platforms is so different. Each platform has a different culture and language and etiquette, best practices, strengths and weaknesses. And I think about on Facebook, sure, I, I follow Facebook pages, 
But the people I follow, I know. I I know I've met them. On Instagram, I would say it's probably 75% celebrities, brands, entrepreneurs, people I've never met, writers, authors, um, thought leaders that I like, and then maybe 25% people I actually know. Mm. So I see Instagram as a discovery platform, just like TikTok, because TikTok, you're not there to connect with your friends and family. No, you just have fun. You're there to learn. You're there to yeah, keep, yeah. you're there to see new things and be yeah. entertained. Yeah. And you've never met 99.9% of these people. Yeah. So that's a really that's interesting. Same with YouTube. Yeah. People go to YouTube to use it to search for things. They do not use it the same way they use Facebook or LinkedIn. Yeah. And so yeah. Sorry. And yeah, you know what's no, funny is I, I'm I'm a very I'm a visual learner. So I look at uh YouTube uh at uh 50, 50, uh, just as much as I look at Google. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I just prefer, it's like, to me, it's like looking at the newspaper. I, I look at it all the time. So it is a, a, a communication tool that fits my visual skill set because mm-hmm. I'm a better visual person than reader. So, yep. you know, and, and I that's think why that's, I started a podcast. Because I found that I really enjoy podcasts and I can listen to them on the go and while I'm, you know, folding laundry, while I'm in the car and I get so distracted at the computer, I have 90 tabs open, you know, everyone else does. It's just so hard to sit and really read a long in-depth article. Yes. Um, but the for a podcast or for any kind of video, like you're saying, it's it's so much easier to just get that kind of either on the go or like the short how tos yeah. for a video. I think it's really helpful. Yeah, and not to we're we're going to get a little off the point, but I'll make this last comment. I tried listening to a podcast the other day while I was working on my computer. You can't it, do it while you you're can't working. Do it. I just can't do it. I have to go for, be going for a walk. I just listened to a podcast now and I went for a walk to take my dog for a 30 minute walk mm-hmm. and I listened to a podcast while I'm walking, you yep. know, and that's, and that's, so I think that's the number one way, of course, that people are, while they're exercising, while they're walking, you can't even sit in a chair and just say, well, I'm going to sit in this chair and listen to this no. podcast. It just doesn't work. You have to be doing something, I think. So, so yeah, let's, let me uh, dive into um, one of the key questions that's on my mind with you. And that is, so let's have a, let's take a scenario where someone's bringing you on for an engagement, a consulting mm-hmm. engagement, and it, it's in social media, mm-hmm. right? Digital marketing, social. So let's just be clear what the two are. Digital marketing is when you're dealing with, and just correct me if if, if I'm wrong, Julia. Um, but the way digital marketing is 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 if you want to be found by Google, so it would be search engine optimization and search engine marketing, which are how Google. Being some of the other ones all find your website um, when t- people type in a keyword. Mm-hmm. Now, social media is Twitter, YouTube, uh, all the other stuff. So um, uh, it's Instagram, you know, Facebook, all the other stuff. So when when a client brings you on, let's let's skip over the digital media for a second. When someone brings in, bring you in for says, I want a social media presence or I need to improve our social media presence. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about questions you ask, mm-hmm. what the engagement's like, mm-hmm. what you're doing, like what's common. So this has evolved in my business over the years because I did 
when I started out, I did use to manage social media accounts for nonprofits, but I quickly found that their expectations were that I, they would never speak to me again and I would somehow kind of create miracles for them. So <laughs> they would never give me pictures or videos or content. I would constantly be having to search for things. So now I do audits and assessments and digital campaign management and creation. So what does that mean? So for me, I go through a client's website. I go through their emails. I look at some of their email newsletters, their email blasts that they've been sending out. And then I evaluate individually each of the platforms that they're actively using. So if they have a platform they haven't used in six months, we'll take a look at it. We'll evaluate, does this relate to your goals? So the questionnaire that I send to all my clients, I send a questionnaire and then we do sort of like an hour discovery call. And we really drill down into goals and objectives. What are your organizational goals for the next three months, the next six months? And who is your audience? And what do they care about? And who are you trying to attract into your audience? And a lot of my clients, it's not fundraising. You know, I work with Boston Public Schools, and we do a lot of public awareness campaigns around you know, financial aid and various services that they're offering in multiple languages, um, resources available in the community. So, and I work with a lot of libraries that do a lot of marketing, like pure marketing and event um, promotion. So it doesn't always have to be fundraising, but if it is fundraising, then we really do look at how are you building this community that you're get you have social media, you're using it, but getting people on your email list. How are you getting people to your website? Like you said, how are you getting people to your donation page? What's happening when they're on your donation page? How, you know, when are they clicking off? Are there too many forms? Is it cumbersome? And then with the social media audit, I would, I mean, there's probably a handful of things that every single audit I've done has had. <laughs> uh, I would say one is the bios and the about sections always need to be improved. They always need to be tweaked. Don't cut and paste your mission. Try to make it a little funnier or a little lighter or a little more personable. You know, on Instagram, you can add emojis and you can do all sorts of fun things. So try to make it, mold it more to the, the webs, the, platform that you're using. And then usually with email marketing, that really does fit into the whole digital marketing mix. I still see email as a hugely powerful tool. So social media is really the icing on the digital marketing cake. You have to have, you know, you have to have certain infrastructure in place. You have to have a great website. We can't get away from that. That's still, that's still the number one way people will find out about you or learn about you or discover you. So there's the website, there's email, which is going to be a deeper relationship than social media. And social media is really kind of top of the marketing funnel, attracting people to your cause, sharing with them little anecdotes and testimonials and fun stories, maybe not fun stories, but the stories of the people that you're serving. Talking about the problem is really important on social media. So convincing me, showing me that this is actually a problem that needs to be solved and then really being very clear and concise. What do I do next? What do I do about it? So that, you know, the, the engagements with me, we start with the audit and assessment. 
we do a lot of exploration, and then we create a digital marketing plan going forward. And often, I will tell them, I don't think you need to be on nine platforms. It looks like based on your goals and audience and based on your capacity and bandwidth, you probably just need to be on two. And here's how we can go forward. And here's how you can best use that. And then we kind of create what that looks like on a weekly basis. Because I've never had a client that had a full-time social media person. It's always the marketing director or the marketing fundraising director, or there might be an intern, there might be someone part-time. But I realized that having a full-time social media person is very out of reach for a lot of organizations. So we usually design it around what's the capacity, what's the bandwidth. It's I see myself as like a personal trainer, just going back to the exercise metaphor. What are your goals? How are you going to get there? And we design a plan, like how much time do you have to work out? How much time do you have to do social media? We'll design a plan around your capacity and your ability to, you know, your ability to manage the platforms. The, as an, if if an executive director, if they, if they want more tangible uh, I call them KPIs, key performance indicators, mm-hmm. uh, goals, K- KPIs. If they want more tangible goals, what would they typically be? We want, can they say, I want more fundraising to, I want this amount of fundraising to come from the social media work that we do. Is that measurable? Well, if you, there's two ways to measure that kind of KPI specifically. One is, you're running Facebook fundraisers, you have the donate button set up. You can actually track how much money is coming from Facebook and Instagram. The other platforms, YouTube has it, but I believe you have to have 10,000 followers to get the donate button on YouTube. Then the other way is you can track the traffic that comes from the link. So if you post it on Facebook, you would have to on the back end set it up So that you can say, this person came from Facebook, they went to our donate page and they made a donation. Yeah. So it's, it, it's get, it gets a little technical, but in Google analytics, it's called goal conversion tracking. You can do it. It is possible, Yep. but it does take a little bit of time. And what I would encourage people to do is, I mean, I, I follow this rule of content on social media, the 80, 20 rule, which is 80% of what you're sharing should be not asking for anything. You know, you're already, if you're on social media, think about the inherent actions they're already asking you to take. Every time you post, like, comment, and share, those those are already there. So you're already technically asking people to take an action. On Twitter, it's retweet, like, you know. So there's already these, these buttons that are in place asking people to do stuff. You don't have to actually ask them physically to do something every time. You could just post a really great story or a nice how-to or, um, you know, something about your cause and awareness month, something I didn't know, maybe an interview with the board chair or an interview with the executive director. What do I need to know this week about the cause? What is in the news? What's going on? Um, you know, what's going on? What do I, yeah, I'm, you are the go-to resource, like the nonprofit, my nonprofits that I love and follow, they are my go-to resources. I trust them. I can't learn, I can't read all these articles every single day and follow all of these causes. So I trust them to distill the news for me and kind of make sense of it for me. 
and to also tell me what to do next. Like, what do I need to do next? What's the most important thing? Um, I will say that I worked with an executive director and she was part-time. She's now full-time. She had 20 hours a week and she was determined to use Instagram. And she just was like, I'm just going to use Instagram. I'm not going to do anything else. She built her volunteers from Instagram because she would post stories of what the volunteers were doing at the food bank. And then she would post, you can do this too. Here's how to sign up and link to the form. And then she'd just go on Instagram live and say, oh my gosh, this is pre-COVID actually. But they still actually had a lot of virtual volunteer opportunities and now they're back in person. But she just was so dedicated and committed to posting once a day on Instagram. And that was it. She didn't use Facebook. She didn't use anything else. And she really built up her, her volunteer following because other people would share it. The local, local people in the community would say, oh, they really need diapers or, oh, they really need milk this week. They really need this. And they'd get the word out because it was on Instagram. So being that laser focused can be good too. Hmm. So are you advising your clients to post something once a week, once a month, a month? What, what is it that you're typically asking them to do? Definitely once a month, I don't think is enough. Okay. It really does depend on the platform, but for Facebook, it should probably be, you know, three, four times a week. Instagram, you could probably get away with two to three, um, Twitter, though, is very fast moving. You probably have to tweet every day. YouTube is whenever you sort of have content. LinkedIn, you can repurpose some stuff from Facebook. So it really does depend on what season they're in also. Like, are they in fundraising season? Then they're probably posting more. If they're in cultivation season um, or if it's kind of a slow time of year, they might post a little bit less. So the key here is just consistency, though, being consistent. What we don't want and what I used to see a lot were nonprofits. They would just post around an event and then leave for six months and then post around an event. And it's like, no, you can't you can't do that because the algorithm has to gain that trust of you again and regain it and regain it and regain it. And if you only come in like fits and spurts, the algorithm doesn't trust you. They think you might are a spammer and they don't really know who to show your stuff to. So it takes a while for that muscle to be built, but consistency is is key. And quality over quantity all day. Quality over quantity. If you have three really good posts as opposed to five kind of mediocre ones, that's so much better. Do you um let's say you you have a the, the nonprofit wrote a really good piece you know, whatever. It's really good. It talks about, it's, you know, gives an example. It gave you an example of someone they helped, right? And their strategy is, okay, we're going to post it to the website and our blog. We're going to, po- now we're going to post it onto all our social media. Is that okay? Is that a good use of social media? Well, I would repurpose something in the blog and design it for each channel that you're on, because you can't post a link to Instagram. You have to, you probably could post a link in the bio. The other thing to remember is that these platforms are, they're trying to keep us on the platform. They are multi-billion dollar businesses. They're not designed for us. They're designed to keep us 
on their platforms. So Facebook, every platform they don't like when you post links because it goes off the platform. Wow. So I don't, that should not be the majority of what you're posting. Mm. Um, you certainly can repurpose things like a cool fact or quote from your blog. Um, but the goal shouldn't always be getting people back to your website. Like you can build a community on social media um, and then once in a while, ask them to take an action on your website, but sending people constantly, constantly, constantly to outside websites, none of the algorithms like that because they want you to stay on the platform. And mm -hmm. that's why Facebook invented the donate button, not out of the goodness of Mark Zuckerberg's heart. <laughs> he, he noticed that charities were raising money and they were constantly sending people outside uh, to raise money. So he thought, well, why don't we keep them in the platform yeah. and create our own ecosystem and our own donation platform and get them fundraising on our platform. So he saw the power, but yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily, I mean, I don't have rose colored glasses about it. <laughs> give me, give me the, the, the best person you've worked with who, who started with you from the beginning and, and a while ago. And they really worked on it and where they are today, social media wise, what are they doing now on social media? Because they, you know, they, let's use that same analogy that I used in the podcast, which was, I started it three years ago and in my fourth year, and I learned a little bit all throughout the way. Now we, we, we talked about your first engagement with a, a, a potential, uh, with a client. Now tell me about someone who's, you know, really advanced and what they're doing now. So one of my most advanced clients, they're called Road Scholar, but it's R-O-A-D Scholar. And they used to be called Elder Hostel, and they're based in Boston. And they provide educational trips for older adults. And they do a lot of other connection and, you know, education for, for people that are older. And their target audience is really 70 plus, mostly women, um, mostly widowed, and very smart. Um, usually they have advanced degrees. They're interested in traveling internationally, um, but they're very isolated. You know, they might not have family. They've lost maybe their partners and they're, they're interested in, in going on these trips. So their Facebook page, I mean, they had like, 250,000 fans on their Facebook page when I first wow. worked with them, which was crazy, but they were getting no engagement, and these are zero over, engagement. These are people over 70. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, it might be, I mean, or over 60, 50. you know, it could be yeah. 60, 65 plus still, um, still, or maybe it's people like me that are purchasing for their parents. I don't know, but oh, oh. they had a huge Facebook following. Yeah. I mean, oh, <laughs> My mom is on Facebook. You better believe it. This is actually, side note, why I don't really go on Facebook anymore because the only people that comment are my mom, her best <laughs> friend, and my dad. And I'm like, okay, no, okay. I, can't, I can't do this anymore. Gotcha. So, it, yeah, I mean, and my mother-in-law who's 78. So that's the, the time. Tides are changing over at Facebook. Yeah. But Facebook obviously was perfect for Road Scholars. So I didn't understand what was going on with their following and why they weren't being engaged, but it was because they were only doing promotion. So they would post three times a month. And the only thing they would post is either donate or join this trip. It was just, it was like just a flyer. It was like a brochure. It was just an ad. 
and it wasn't anything that was really interesting and compelling. So once we started working together, I really encouraged them. Like we, we wanted to build an avatar of who they wanted to attract on Facebook, who takes the most of their trips, who donates the most, like who's in most involved and engaged. And we called her the funky grandma. Okay. She's, she's a funky grandma. You can picture her in your head right now. Uh, I'd say think of orange hair, but okay. Yes. Maybe orange <laughs> hair. I don't know. She's definitely like, no one's going to tell her she can't climb Mount Everest. Yeah, She is just, she's, you know, been all over the world or she wants to. She is just adventurous and she loves things about elder, you know, rights for elderly people. She loves things about women's rights. So once we figured that out, we, everything that we post is through the lens of the funky grandma. Like, would she like this? Would this make her laugh? Would she be interested in this? Is this something she would share on her page? Everything is filtered through that lens and engagement just doubled and it completely exploded once they started that strategy. And actually I should have looked, I don't know how many Facebook fans they have today, but it's probably doubled. So the key there was just really understanding who your audience is and what they want. The other thing is though, I like some of their posts and I'm not, I am, my goal is to be a funky grandma, but I'm not a funky grandma yet, but it's not exclusionary. It's just attracting the right kind of people. And it doesn't mean that you're excluding other people. It just means you're really speaking to this one audience and they see it and they say, oh, this is for me. I'm in the right place and I'm going to share this and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to love this and comment on this. And I can't even tell you once they started focusing on that kind of content, really their, their engagement spiked and um, really drove a lot of their website traffic, a lot of their email signups and a lot of their, you know, participants. So this is, this is going to be kind of an advanced question. And that is not advanced for you, but advanced for our listeners. Um, I know a lot about SEO, search engine optimization. Uh, I, I, I've been involved with it for 20 years mm-hmm. when it first came out. So, and I have to explain this so I can ask this question. And, and um, when you're doing social media, I'm sorry, when you're doing search engine optimization or search engine, well, let's just say search engine optimization, Google looks at 200 different things on your website mm-hmm. and on the article to decide where it will rank. So you have to play this. You have to really understand those things. Mm-hmm. It's very complicated. Um, what I think I hear you saying is that in social media, it's the content itself that drives um, engagement, that drives more subscribers. And it, and it's not the technical part of producing content that has 200 different things in it that the social media loves. Is that accurate? Well, there's probably five to 10 things for each platform. Okay. Well, that's better that than work. 200. Like <laughs> a square photo works best on Instagram. Um, you can use 30 hashtags, but like 10 works best. Bright photos work best. Photos of people work best. So there are, there is an art and a science to it, just like SEO. 
Yep. I wouldn't say there's 200 things, but definitely, and on YouTube as well, you really need to understand, you know, write a great caption, write a great title, make sure your tags are all lined up. So there's almost checklists that you could look up. I mean, really anybody could look up, you know, what are the 10 essential items that you need for a Facebook post or an Instagram post, but there's no overarching social media checklist. Every platform is different and they all compete with each other. So you don't want to put a YouTube link on Facebook because it's going to rank it lower in the algorithm because they don't, they compete with YouTube. They don't want to send you to YouTube. So yeah, that's really why I always try to teach really, really diving deep. Don't be an inch. What is it? An inch deep and a mile wide. You don't want to be an inch deep and a mile wide on social media. You want to be really like dive in deep to one or two platforms and do them really, really well. Yeah. Oh, on TikTok, there's definitely 20 or 30 different things. That's why I get so intimidated posting a video. You could post a video, but in order to make it rank on the For You page, you need the sound that's trending. You need hashtags. You need, I mean, there's all sorts of things like little hacks that you can do to make your TikTok video trend and to show up in the for you page. Same with every single other platform. Okay. And the thing with search engine optimization, um, there are Google ad grants that nonprofits can get. They're very complicated. Like you said, I think people get them and they think, Oh, it's $10,000 worth of Google ad money, but you need to, understand how to drive traffic. You need to understand SEO in order to really make the grants work. So everything, yeah, is an art and a science and in, in digital. Is there, um, it's $10,000 total or $10,000 per month? $10,000 per month. So why doesn't an enterprising consultant like yourself go to the nonprofit and say, "Get okay, I'll do your Google AdWords for you. Oh, there are. Okay. I'm not, I am not that person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at all. Okay. But there are consultants that will do. You'll manage their your Google AdWords. And then, and sure. then they go they go back to the nonprofit and say, "I'll do this for you." And whenever te- whenever you get a donation from Google AdWords, you pay me a percentage. Okay, so that's interesting, and that goes into a totally different topic, which is it's actually against the Association of Fundraising Professionals ethics and conduct to accept, um, to, to be paid like that. Well, you know, the people who probably be doing it are not fundraising experts. They're SEO experts. So that's why I kind of mentioned that, you know, um, I wouldn't as a donor want to get wind of that. Yeah. I just think as a donor, but yeah. certainly Google. you could set something up where it's a performance-based situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't even be a percentage. It would be, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, you can do it that way. Probably. I get you. Yeah. No, there are, there are definitely nonprofits that manage it. Um, and uh, nonprofits, there are consultants that manage Google AdWords. There are also consultants that will manage your Facebook ads for you. And I'm much more of a content and strategy person, not a back end figuring out a B testing kind of thing, but there are people that do that. 
So we have a, like a minute or two left. Mm-hmm. Give me your takeaway from today's podcast as far as not what you learned. <laughs> your takeaway about what you want others to take away from what you've been, you know, what you do and what you've learned and what you think many smaller nonprofits are lacking um, to, to kind of give our audience a great um, insight as to what they should do next. I hope that small nonprofits don't come away from this overwhelmed and feeling like they need to understand every single facet of social media and digital marketing. Like I said before, I really believe um, do not stretch yourself too thin. Do not be an inch deep and a mile wide. Pick one platform like my lovely nonprofit executive director friend who picked Instagram posted once a day, that was it, and grew her volunteer program. Or pick Facebook like Road Scholar did. They're not on any other platforms. They might be on YouTube a little bit, but they're really not. They're focused on Facebook. Go where your audience is and just be there. And don't worry about doing everything because there'll always be another platform. There's going to be another TikTok. There's going to be another Clubhouse. There's going to be another shiny new tool. But as long as you're focused on your goals, your objectives, and your audience, and you're baking social media into what you're doing, then you're going to succeed. So quality over quantity every day of the week. I love the message. And I told everybody that I usually take notes that things that I think I might do, you know, based on my guess. Um, I, I'll show you everybody. Uh, you can't, uh, those who aren't watching on YouTube, but I'm holding up. It says, look at comp- competitors' social media. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just going to look at my, see what my, I haven't done it in ages. So look at, yep. my, see what my competitors are doing and saying, oh, okay, that's a pretty good idea. I can kind of maybe yeah. Piggy, oh, pig, yeah. You'll get some great ideas. That. Yeah, yeah. I have another note here too, but I'm going to talk to Julia after about that one. So, <laughs> sure. One. All right. So listen, I would like to thank so very much Julia Campbell from J. Campbell Social Media for coming on to today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite favorite podcasting app. The One of the reasons why the Nonprofit MBA podcast has turned out to be listened to by thousands of people, it's really great, is because we have all five-star reviews. And that we were talking about algorithms and they use those five-star reviews to determine if oh, yes, uh, they, they want to uh, move it up in the rankings. So it's very appreciative uh, if you really like the podcast to give us a great review. Um, and also, uh, of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Julia, if people want to get a hold of you, how will they go about doing that? My website is jcsocialmarketing.com and you can find my podcast on any podcast app, but the website for that is nonprofitnationpodcast.com. Nonprofitnationpodcast.com. And and, uh, what do you cover in your podcast? Oh, we cover everything from fundraising to social media to um, diversity, equity, and inclusion to boards, to mental health, um, a artificial intelligence. I'm going to have one coming up on cryptocurrency. Gotcha. It's really 
just whatever I think is very interesting at the time. Yeah. <laughs> whatever yeah, cool. I think nonprofits want to know more about. Some are tactical episodes and some are more here's something going on in the sector that we we should talk about. Yep. But it's a really great mix and my guests are fabulous. I'm so lucky to have them. Good. All right. Well, uh, um, I say this at the end of every podcast and I will always say this. I want to thank all our listeners for making the world a better place. Yes. You guys are out there on the front line. We all appreciate the work that you do. We know that 75% of the work that you do, you, you do out of love and 25% because you got to make a living. And uh, we need more people who care more about the world and other people. I know Julia and I have to do our part. And, uh, and I, I, well, I think we both are all always trying our best to be good people and to help. Um, but you are out there. Our listeners are out there every single day. I thank you for that. I just want to remind you that you're no good to anybody if you don't take good care of yourself. So, you know, you can't help your cause. You can't help your employees. If you don't take really good care of yourself, make sure mm -hmm. you do that. Yes. So everybody have a fantastic day. Thank you for listening. Please continue to listen to the Nonprofit MBA podcast and tell others. I think our guests, like Julia, are fantastic resources. Everybody have a fantastic day.